Hello, everybody. Okay, before we get into today's episode, just a quick bit of housekeeping. I am, I almost said messaging you. Like I have all of your phone numbers, but I do have some key messaging rather that I'm going to impart to all of you now. And that is to say our contest is now closed. Thank you to everyone who wrote these gorgeous reviews, shared their pop culture polls. There honestly are some real, real, real bangers. And so look at as a reminder to everyone, what you now need to do is head over to the show's Instagram page, which is at tell Liam everything you have until December 18th. Okay. December 18th to vote on which of the, you know, on which pop culture poll that we've picked that you like the best. And then that person, whoever gets the most votes gets a prize. How about that? Go over to the Instagram page again for all the details. If you want to refresh on what the prizes are and Listen, just because the contest is closed doesn't mean you still can't leave a little review that you can't rate five stars. Just saying, just saying. But listen, honestly, for realsies, to everyone who did rate, review and subscribe to people who are listening to the show, we really appreciate it because it is so much fun to do. Okay, so again, contest is closed. Head over to the Instagram page at Telium Everything. Place your vote. You have until December 18th and then we'll let you know who the winner is and then we'll let you know what the fabulous prizes that you're receiving. All right. Okay. I think that's it. On with the show. Hey, everybody. What are you doing there? Hi. Um, Welcome to Tell Me Everything. As always, I'm your host, Liam Garrow, really helping to usher in just another fantastic episode of this show where we invite celebrity guests to come on and just give them an opportunity to really geek out about their favorite things in pop culture. And we've said it a million times. It does not matter how high the pull is, how low the pull is. We want all of that and everything in between. This week's guest is really an icon, a legend, a favorite of mine. Her name is Michelle Collins. You might know her from The View. You might know her from her uh, Sirius XM radio show. Right now, she is producing her own show, a daily show on Patreon called The Michelle Collins Show. She also has her podcast called Midnight Snack. She's an absolute gem and a vision and a joy. And honestly, chatting with her was the goddamn best. And truly, this is going to sound, I don't mean for this to sound hyperbolic, but has been like a dream of mine for a long time. So the fact that she made time for us is a huge, 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 huge deal. So God love her. Michelle Collins. Everyone, I hope you enjoy this episode just as much as I did. Let's not delay it any longer. Here's my chat with Michelle. Hope you enjoy. Michelle, how are you? Oh my God. I'm so happy to be here. You look, it's giving a little, are you afraid of the dark, but I know it's very Mm. early by you. So thank you for waking up to have me. Listen, I'm going to, and this is going to sound like I'm just pumping your tires, but this is the God's honest truth. And I want you to just sit back and take this compliment. (laughs) I refuse for you to, I refuse for you to be doing it, but this is absolutely the truth. There is no one I'd rather get up at this hour for than you, because I'm just going to, I'm going to say something right now. I, first of all, surprise, surprise, another gay man's in love with you. But let me say this. I mean, another, another notch in your bedpost. I get it. It's my blessing. And your curse. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Listen, I'm not going to say it. (laughs) Continue. I was in the middle of the compliment. I'm so sorry. I was going to say, I have been a fan of yours for such a long time. And I want to, you know, normally we always do like kind of like the promo for everything that the guest has going on towards the end, but it's worth acknowledging that because this is why I am so in love with you. You have the Michelle Collins show, your daily show that you provide to listeners through your Patreon page. And I just need to like acknowledge for everybody, 
you work so hard and you get so much shit done and it is always funny, quick. It lives at the top of its intelligence. For people listening at home, people don't realize Michelle is self-producing a show five days a week. She's delivering content. It's always incredible. It's funny. And for, I think, maybe a lot of people who quite possibly got to know you through your time on The View, this is an incredible extension of what you're doing because it's you being able to sort of give listeners your take and your deep dive on sort of whatever the day's, you know, for lack of a better term, hot topics are. And so to be able to listen to you on your Patreon show or on your podcast, Midnight Snack with the delicious Dan Acton. Hello, Dan, wherever you are in the world. I just, I, I just don't, I want to just make sure you kind of get your flowers in this moment because that is a lot of work and you really deliver. And Michelle, I think you're just, I think you're one of the best. And that's just the damn truth. I have to tell you something. Thank you for saying that I work hard because a lot of like every now and again, if I get sick or whatever, and I have to take a day or two off, people sometimes come for me in those moments. And I genuinely like barely take vacation. You know, I want to give people they're paying for it. So obviously I'm, you know, I deliver. I'm very trained in that way. And I'm like, do you understand? It's hard to be on. And like, also part of the job is watching the shit. Like I have to come up with the content. You know, it's not just the recording time. It's a lot of the whole day basically is like leading up to the show where then I kind of spill everything. So it is draining in many ways. And I really, I love doing it. And I'm very lucky. Yes, of and course, I'm, not, of course. I'm not complaining. Listen, if I need to make a return at Zara during the day, I have the time, you know, so I, I realize that I'm lucky <laughs> sure. versus other people who have to wait till Saturday when it's hell. So I'm happy in that sense. But thank you. First of all, thank you for listening. And um, I'm, you know, it's been a lot of fun. Look, I was able to leave America in order to do it because obviously I, you know, I'm self-produced, which means I record in my apartment. Uh, you wouldn't know necessarily hearing it, but you know, it's opened up a lot of opportunities for me and I'm sure closed a lot as well, but I'm happier, I think, than I was, let's say three years ago. You know what I mean? So right. let's call it even pre-COVID. So it's working out. Thank you for listening. And obviously, when are you coming on to co-host? Because now I'm actually angry. I started happy you when know? I started. The- mm-hmm. Now I'm mad. So when are you, you know, coming something- on? Well, here's the deal. You honestly tell me, because again, if you don't, I'll get up at 5 a.m. for you, Michelle. No. I'll get up at 4 a.m. for you. I'm not even kidding. Listen, you name the day and time and I'm so there. Because I will you... not make you get up that early. I'm not actually fucked up. What time is it by you now? It's five o'clock in the morning. I actually am going to have to end my life. I can't <gasps> believe that. I would have not. I would have done it later. Not today, but a different day. Oh, no. No, really? no, no. Here's the thing. No, I'm, I'm about to tell you something. Here's why I'm mentally ill. And I feel like maybe you'll relate because, <laughs> again, you're also like a worker. Yeah. When I... There's something that I'm excited about, especially when it comes to work, like with this, where like, because my gorgeous producer, Mimi Collins, she was like, listen, you know, Michelle, of course, has this time difference. So we might need to be. And I literally said to her, I was like, I don't care what time I have to get up. Like, we're making this work. It's Michelle Collins. We're making this happen. And here we are. People are liking listening to us just absolutely blow each other's spot, like being so excited Mm -hmm. about each other. Is this enjoyable for you? I'm having the best time. I don't know if other people care, but I'm enjoying it. Well, here's the thing. I'm different than I think a lot of hosts and that I don't really think about my audience while it's happening, which believe me, again, blessing and curse, blessing and curse. I think it's beautiful. And so for people listening at home, if this is too much for you, I cannot even begin to reinforce. You get to tune out whenever you want, (laughs) but this is the show. Now, listen, this is a different kind of um, show than I think a lot of podcasts because not unlike, um, or rather... (sighs) 
I would say most shows don't make their guests do homework, but this is how we're different here. And yeah. so you, to you, I have said, Michelle Collins, I want you to bring on your three favorite things from the you know ever-broadening pop culture umbrella. And I have to say, to say that you've brought bangers is an understatement. <laughs> and yeah. I really cannot wait for you to tell me everything about it. And I think we should actually dive into your first pick because this is actually of the three. This is the one that I'm the least acquainted with. And so I really want you to sort of like help give me a bit of like a broad sense and then we'll go into the deep dive. So broad picture, I need you to tell me all about Married at First Sight UK edition. UK vibes. UK UK vibes. So darling, so tell me the premise of the show. Oh, it's good. Uh, Married at First Sight exists all over the world. I know that there's an American version because I actually worked with them on some, you know, after show that I'm sure they fired me from within like eight minutes, but not the point. Um, but that's my signature. They're like, you know, uh-oh. <laughs> They're like, uh-oh, we got a thinker. We got a thinker. No, we got to let gotta, it go. That's exactly right. Like, I'm not an animatron, like from the Hall of the Presidents. But anyway, but I, <laughs> I love the American version uh, in certain ways. My issue with it is that it's just not spicy enough. They bring people on, even when they're assholes, they're not funny there there's never the drama's never good married at first sight uk i don't even know where to begin first of all you can watch it if you have a vpn it airs on channel four um i think it's channel four.co.uk or whatever it is but if you have a vpn you can sign up for a free account you have to watch ads and then you can watch it it just started last week and it's like love island where they do four episodes uh every week so it's like four hours (gasps) a week which i love because you know what every day i wake up with something to watch Every day I have something to look forward to. Well, and you know what? Especially in this... Listen, we're recording this when the WGA has, I think, only just recently reached a tentative and now agreed upon uh, agreement with AMPTP. So listen, we're in a bit of a dry zone right now with content. So anything that we can like soak up right now, this is big. This is big for us. So the fact that we have something to watch is a dream. Can I add just as an aside that um, I was in SAG after... I guess I still am. Who knows? But I got an email this morning from SAG after going, Hey, Michelle... Uh, it, it was clearly like I'm asking because, hey, Michelle, um, we're hearing that people are spreading a lot of rumors that we're sitting down with the opposite side. Just so you know, that's not true. And don't say anything until you until we tell you. It felt very I felt attacked and I loved it. I was like, God, they're so, they're so <laughs> touchy right You're now. Like, I wonder why. God, ever since Fran Drescher became SAG president, these oh. emails have gotten so abrasive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, it's like a, from the, the Brooklyn uh, alleyway where the Goodfellas dresses were. Anyway, that's a deep cut. So Married at First Sight UK, what I love about it is everyone on it, A, is obviously batshit upside down insane. The women who are ranging in the ages from, let's say, 28 to 32 look like young Jocelyn Wildenstein, 48-year-old <gasps> Jocelyn Wildenstein. They, oh, no. Something is going on in the UK more so, I think, even, and I'm from Miami, so I should know about a little plastic surgery moment. Okay. I think it is actually um, much more grotesque than the things that we're seeing, even in LA, let's say. There is filler, yes. Botox galore, self-tanning, the veneers. Something is going on in the medical offices of the United Kingdom that I think it's time the royal family step in and do something about because they just don't look normal. It is a weird thing that is, is taking place. I think Jocelyn Wildenstein's an incredible pull because it is this thing where like people now... I'm sorry to say it is a little like Madonna face where it's just kind of like you now no longer look like the person you looked like. So it's a little like when you see these people on the show, it's I think it's very clear. I'm sorry. This is going to be a bit of a read. Everyone hold on to your effing hats if you're wearing them. But like (laughs) it's a kind of like when you see these people on the show, it's a little like there's something is a 
emotionally and mentally afoot. You're trying to resolve this from the outside in, but that's not the way it's supposed to be happening. And like when you see these people on these shows trying to like find love and try and find, you know, like a husband or spouse through like, you know, some reality show, you're kind of like, well, you know what? I think we're, I think we're not quite tackling the issue here. (laughs) That's exactly right. Yeah. And half the people, there's no question, much like on Love is Lined, I would say more than half are probably there just for the uh, attention and the publicity or whatever, just to become like locally famous. But what makes this show so much better, other than just already the women looking like very, even if they're not chappy, there's just something about, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say, what does that word mean? I don't even know what that word means. I know that it means like kind of lower class British. I know. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And also like, I'm sorry to say tacky. Tacky is the word. Yeah. 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 So even when they're not like that, there's just, everyone is off a little bit, but what makes this show a million times better than the USA one is that they all then move into the same building, but then once a week, there are dinner parties where they all get together oh, and have dinner together in this huge warehouse, which is very beautiful. They design it. It looks like a barn wedding. You know, it looks really nice. We love we love a barn wedding. These couples, which clearly most of them hate each other. I must now apologize. It's insulting, defending. Hold on. I gave you one bit of criticism. One. And how did I react? Yes, you went off on one. I went off on one. I asked the waiter for a spoon. What did you do? I said, there's a spoon here. And I said, what? And you said, I don't want that spoon. No, I said, no, thank you. All right, whichever way. I said, I no, thank you. And then what did you say? I went, you're childish. Yeah. And that's when I got up yeah. and walked away because I'm not going to be that. called childish because Porsche. I don't want a spoon. Run back. It's a spoon. What happened? It's a metal spoon, man. Talk the truth. This is what was winding up. Talk the truth. What is the truth? Also, no coincidence there. The experts, quote unquote, who mm. match them together aren't television experts. They're not relationship experts. These are production experts. So they're putting people together they know are absolutely going to fucking hate each other for the most part. Sometimes I think they do pair some sweet people together who do end up getting along and they're like the cherubs of dinner parties, you know, so they're always in a good space. But Liam, this show, last season, if you can find it, and I'm sure not only on Channel 4, but there are probably websites that like pull the footage, you know, from last season... It is same with Married at First Sight Australia, by the way. And I haven't even explained the concept of the show. I feel like I am talking a lot, but there's a lot that I have to get off my chest about it. Have you seen it? So this, again, of your polls, this is the one that I'm like really in the dark about. So this <gasps> is, so I've, I've never had the great good pleasure of actually watching Married at First Sight UK or any of the other global iterations. Oh, I see. I see. Well, it's a two second story. I mean, it kind of uh, explains itself, but essentially there is a groom. They do have some same sex or uh, spicier couples, but for the most part, it's a groom and a bride. They've never met before. They have to tell in the UK version that to go, mom, I'm getting married. Do you want to come to the wedding, mom? <laughs> oh um, and then God. sometimes the moms don't come. Usually they're pretty good looking, which also makes it better because you want to see like, yeah. For the most part, hot people. Sometimes they do pull an, uh, an uglier one, though, which we love, because then it's some pulled, taut girl from Essex who ends up with, you know, uh, I don't even want to say Shrek, so that's a compliment, but you I know, get it. Well, and I, I'm being a fan of yours, I know that there's no higher compliment you could give someone than to say that they look like Shrek. I know this about your brand. I mean, for God's sakes. I'm I mean, to be honest, I know th- I'm so burnt out with Shrek these days because every time people now see Shrek stuff, they send it to me. Like, Michelle. I know, but it's so funny. You do see those couplings where it's like, you'll see someone like super, super done up with like, and like, you know, it's always like that same announcement, like, this is Samantha and her new husband, Plumber. Darren and then Darren's like rolling up there in like a Looney Tunes leather jacket uh, with like you know also with like a dream yeah I mean let's be honest with like Tasmanian devil embroidery on the back and then he's like 
so like, where'd you grow up? Yeah. And you're like, oh, I can't do this, but God bless. I hope you guys really do make it work. Uh, but it's so good. There's one guy, they always have a guy who is uh, face tattoos. What's the twist this season is that mm. it's a yogi. He's like very into spirituality. And they paired him with a girl who's also super into like reading palms, you know, all this shit. But I find them unbearable. It is, I, I, don't, I feel like I'm not selling it in the right way. Everyone is problematic on it in their own unique way. And it just makes for some of the best television. And I know that coming up within the next few weeks, once the dinner parties start, fights will break out. There's always cheating because one person will always see another. One unhappy couple sees another one. They're in the same building. So they inevitably fuck someone else. One of the other couples It is just... I, I don't like Love Island personally. I find that's almost too dumb for me. I think this mm, is slightly mm. elevated Love Island. It's a little bit more adult. This... This is the thinking man's Love Island. Yeah. And you know that also, too, there's absolutely no universe where there isn't a producer, like, deliberately telling certain contestants, like, being like, hey, so we kind of need you to go fuck this other person or rock the boat here. Like, you know there's that conversation happening behind the camera. You know it. 100%. Look, I find myself, for example, I stopped watching The Bachelor, Bachelorette, because when the formula becomes so stale, I don't care if the guy's 150 years old. I don't care what his or her background is. They have to spice this show up. It is, look, Survivor, which we'll get to, they change things every season and it does make the show good. Bachelor, Bachelorette needs to change something bigger than what's happening now. So I'm off that train in a big way. But this one first, I don't know, maybe also because they're English. So it's like a fascinating culture dive to see how other people behave. I am absolutely obsessed with it. Well, wait, that's an interesting thing to bring up. Do you feel like you could maybe articulate or like really pinpoint what the cultural difference is in terms of how like Brits are sort of presenting themselves or approaching like a dating show scenario versus how an American would approach it? The easiest thing to answer, I think, because as a funny person, I like watching people who are funny, who give each other shit, who the humor in England is top. Like that is right, right. paramount to anything. You know, I've dated a lot of British guys. So I'm like hyper familiar with the, they call it flaa, which is flirty banter. So it's all flaa. Oh. His flaa is really good. So there's, there's like a spiciness to the Brits that I find in America. I don't know if people are kind, even like Love is Blind, which I actually do like watching Love is Blind, but I'm not laughing at any of the people. The people are not funny on that show. These are people who want to break into Hallmark films and doing, you know, they want to get into acting. So that is the driving force, I think, with a lot of American reality show contestants versus British ones where yes. they're kind of low class and funny and more real and honestly a pleasure to watch in many ways here's what i think is true and this is especially the case i think in the last two years probably i mm -hmm. think every like non-celebrity getting onto a reality show like a love is blind like a what have you i think it's because everyone wants the ariana maddox route everyone wants to be able to turn their reality tv presence into their new empire and also god bless ariana maddox just did her first episode of dancing with the stars last night got a oh. 21 out of 30 bless her Bless Wait, her. is that good or bad? Uh, well, I mean, sounds bad. Listen, <laughs> well, twenty. Well, math tells me that that's sixty six percent. That's three. Se they have three judges. I'm assuming, so it's three sevens. And that to me is like so pretty bad. high. I mean, yeah. that's. I mean, uh, that's higher than I would get. I mean, so bless her. Oh. But it's like I think that's kind of what I. That's what I kind of get the vibe from American reality TV shows. You're right. It's like no, no, no. They want to take this and spin this into something else, which also makes sense because you know what? Talking about Love Is Blind, who was that person came who came forward from that show being like, oh, we were essentially all paid like a buffalo nickel. Like no one's making any money off these shows. Was, no, of course not. They're no. I don't, I'm surprised they're getting paid anything, to be honest with you, other than like True. The jury duty, jury duty, uh, daily rate or whatever it is. Exactly. And so it's like, if you're going to go on th these shows and kind of frankly risk 
even though you're not like a public person, like you really are putting your public image on the line, right? Oh, 100%. So if you're going to be on a, in, uh, on a show or in a situation where you can maybe be perceived as like a joke or an unserious person, you kind of then need to lean into that and be like, well, then how do we make that a brand and spin that off into other things? Like, 100%. let me like, let me do my fucking cat litter brand. I'll be the spokesperson for whatever you want. Please, please not the cat litter brand. <laughs> I'm <laughs> so sorry. That. Anything with that. Um, no, but I know what you mean. I got it. Yeah. Wait, controversially. Go. Now I'll open by saying I never liked Tom Sandoval. So this is not like I'm taking his side. Go. But yeah. I just did not. And I, I've met Ariana and I like her. She's actually a sweetheart, like genuinely mm-hmm. funny, a lovely girl. But outside of me, like knowing, liking her as a person, right? But this whole trajectory that she's had, I find so strange. And I find the fandom mm. behind it really uncomfortable. I don't know. It's like this um, it's kind of on par with the Taylor Swift thing for me, where when fandom becomes that foaming at the mouth, rabid, evil, attacking yeah. people, when it becomes, I mean, 50 years ago, this wasn't happening. 30 years ago, this was not going on. The internet has made it so that people now all have to like be in their army and defend each other and this and that. But I find right. I find it terrifying, to be honest. And, you know, so I don't want to hold that against Ariana because she's just doing what anyone smart would do, which is capitalizing off of this story that happened to her. I'm not holding... It's really more the fandom, I guess, that makes me really uncomfortable about it. Yeah. No, it's a weird moment too where like I... And I am... I want to be careful about what I'm saying here because I suppose, look, an element of this I'm guilty of because, look, I'm an online person who's, you know, giving my opinion that no one's asking for. But, like, (laughs) I'm also not going to people's pages being like, you're a piece of shit. Like, I I don't understand, even at the most gradient level, I don't understand the mentality of a person who's like, you know something? I am going to go to this person's Instagram page to post on something that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about about but i'm gonna let them know that i think they're basically the scum at the bottom of devil's boot like what i don't understand like that to me is is an unwell person there are people who i have bad opinions about on housewives let's say who i just can't stand i would never in my life go to like a reddit page to talk I, i hold you know i'll talk about it maybe on the show so maybe that's our outlet and it's kind of unfair to then blame other people for taking it online but i don't know i just i agree with you i've never been in such a low place where I thought I'm going to go destroy this person online. That's what yeah. I'm going to do tonight. It's, but I think they do take, there's this like masochistic thing. They enjoy it. They oh. like, it really feeds into like a very dark part of this current climate. I don't know. I think you're right. And I'm curious. So do you feel like people like for, I don't know, for lack of a better term, the normies maybe who are going on a show, like a love is blind, like a married at first sight. Do you feel like they're kind of open to that same level of criticism? Do you feel like they're kind of, they risk being in that position or are they kind of left alone a little bit? Do you think? Oh, from this particular show, a hundred percent that they are depending. Cause again, I don't live in England, so I don't know how intense it is when you're there. I do like to do like a hashtag search on x.com to see Hello. kill me to see that's the, that's the new one to see what people are saying and they tend to be i mean it's kind of fun to read it though because they a lot of people are saying how i feel so maybe it's also not fair but um yeah i don't know i don't i can't imagine you have to be really not even strong i think you have to be kind of mentally ill frankly to be yes. in, in any sort of public arena and be completely fine with people being negative about you you know like i don't understand how I don't even know where to begin with this. Like it just, it, 
anyone who's just, if you read it and you just don't care or you almost get off on reading negative things about yourself, I don't think that's a normal way to live personally. Well, I don't know. And and I will say sometimes with these reality shows and in particular with these dating shows, there is yeah. usually like a segment where it's like, okay, we're now meeting, you know, we're meeting your future spouse's parents. We're meeting your future wife's parents. We do this whole thing. And I will say it's when you see the parents, you're like, <gasps> copy that. You're like, oh, I can see now exactly who put this hole in your soul. Oh, please. That's why I don't put my parents on camera. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'll listen, put her on the show, but no. <laughs> like we're doing audio only with Judy. Listen, and also this is a perfect time for a plug. One of the tiers on the Michelle Collins show Patreon is you get a special bonus episode where Michelle talks with her mom, Judy. Delicious. Just saying, putting that out there. I've had friends reach out being like, your dynamic because I there there are moments where I almost have to go and edit. Like we'll get into fights, but you know we love each other. Obviously, and yeah, two minutes later yeah. we're laughing. That's just the immigrant parents, you know, generational trauma, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, they're fun. You know, she, my mom is like uh, comedically, professionally very funny. I well, that's that is an interesting thing about your mom, and I think actually our moms have this in common. Like, because usually when people talk about their parents being quote unquote funny, usually it's funny in spite of themselves, or it's like oh, there's mom again. But it's like I think the thing that our moms have in common is that they are very deliberate about the joke that they're telling and they know the laugh they're getting. Oh, timing is uh, down. It's an art. I really mean that. Like, I think that she probably wishes she'd been a performer of some kind. And that's why I'm fucked up. You know what I mean? Anyway, Mm. we can move on. We can move on. Well, let me ask you then, I think let's segueing from also just talking about like reality TV show behemoths, I think now maybe would be a great time to talk about your second poll because you have brought on a show that's been on for approximately 800 years. Uh, And that is, and you alluded to it earlier, that of course is Survivor, the show where, you know, 20 some odd contestants are sent to these, you know, locations all over the world where they're really forced to kind of tough it out and then go through elimination rounds until they win. Is the grand prize still a million dollars? Is that still the... You know, they should raise it now that you say that. I mean, what's a million these days? Yeah. Listen, God bless RuPaul. He will up that winner prize every single year. I'm not kidding. I remember when it started off at $50,000. And now if you're a winner on RuPaul's Drag Race, I think you're winning like a quarter of a million dollars. Wow. It's still not very much. Hold on. still not very much. I'm sorry, but for the level of viewership that show has i actually find that a little cheap i'll say it and, and i have taxes, only let's... enemies i have only enemies liam yeah you don't like, want to be close to me you know <laughs> that book you know that booker was like well we were gonna get her to be a guest panelist for drag race yeah. but i guess that's fucked um never Let me mind tell you something that won't be happening because it would have happened already i would love to do it if anyone's listening continue well i want to so ask to tell tell me rather why do you love survivor so much and also actually let's start with this have you been a watcher since like the beginning. No. So I did watch the Richard Hatch season. Of course. And then I took a few years off and I forget the season. It was, I've been watching it seriously because I, I remember my old apartment. Wait, I can place, I had a mattress on the floor in New York up of until course. 2006, I want to say. And it had to be that year that I started watching it again because I remember watching uh, one of the episodes and my heart, I was on the floor. <laughs> On my mattress, <laughs> and my heart was racing. Like, because I, I, like I'm in. I'm talking about it as I talk. You know, I my heart. Oh, you know what? Maybe you no. Know, it was probably 2007. I got in. I actually think my mattress was off the floor. Now that I'm thinking about it. And okay, I, we were we were up here, off the ground. Good. I was elevated. Excuse me. That's my my mistake. But so probably for you know at least 15, 16 years I've been watching it. That I, the only season of that show I've ever seen. I <gasps> want to say it was Survivor. I know. I know. Oh the my only god. The only season I've ever seen, I believe, I believe, I believe, was Survivor Thailand. And I 
remember that because the winner of that season was a guy named Brian Heideck, who they later found out was a guy who used to do softcore porn. God love him. I love the show so much. There is no show, I believe, that incorporates, even when it's a bad season, it still ends up being entertaining, unlike Big Brother, which for me, I don't know if you are a Big Brother watcher. No, but it's been discussed on the shows. I've had a guest come on and, and she's sung her praises about the show, but not not for you, Big Brother. Well, it depends. Uh, some seasons, yes. I, You know, it has been for me. I, For me, this is one of the all-time worst seasons. I, I actually stopped watching it. And that's saying something because mm. I have a lot of spare time on my hands. I just don't <laughs> know what it is about maybe Julie's Bob, about the cast not connecting with me. Uh, I hate the challenges. I don't like the house. I don't like the... The whole thing, they've complicated it to a point where it's just slop. It's just televised mm. slop. I can't get into it. Survivor, on the other hand, listen, you're watching people at just the lowest of the low. Everyone's hangry. Yes. Everyone's burnt. They're covered in bites. They And they always put someone who's unbearable in it. I'm shocked I haven't been cast as like the unbearable <laughs> one who like doesn't shut up around the fire. Like all and, you night. Still show, and you still show up in your like leopard print mesh top and they're yeah. like, Michelle, you're like, what? <laughs> I use it to fish. Yeah. Um, this would be, listen, I've seen Castaway. I get all, I love Castaway. Uh, that it is one of the, first of all, Jeff Probst, in my opinion, hottest host. Start at the top, <gasps> work our way down. Hottest shit. Oh, 100%. He can be annoying lately. And in fact, Judy, my mother, has brought this up where when there are challenges where the people have to concentrate, um, which mm. is most of them, but uh, he talks to them. A huge catastrophe. Joe coming back. He's been terrible in this challenge so far. Katie really slowing him down on a very easy portion of this challenge. Monica, once again, very slow for Bion, like it's a Sunday picnic for the church. The men continue to be pathetic in this challenge. But doesn't shut the fuck up, literally constantly talking to them. And I get that he's a host, but it's actually annoying. I would rather watch them in silence, maybe even talk to each other, because sometimes they'll make deals or whatever. Yeah, know, for yeah, who yeah. Can win. He has gone a little bit annoying, but nevertheless, I still enjoy him. I think casting for that show is better than ever. They always mm -hmm. nail it. Last season was one of the best seasons. Liam, seriously, if you are willing to give it a try. Really? There are so many funny characters last season. You will, and they always have a hot guy. Lately, they've been putting a lot of hot gays on the show. You Bless. will fall in love. I mean, it is, there are sad stories that people all have, you know, I mean, you name it, like pull it out of a hat. It happened to yeah. them somehow, you know, yes, orphaned. Of course, I don't know. That's course. the first thing that came to mind. A lot of orphans. They just managed to bring people in who have great stories to tell, who you either hate or love. And the challenges remain super exciting, especially when they bring these elderly or perhaps... I mean, the one thing is they never really bring big people on, which I would like to see because, A, I think the hunger element... And I say this as a non-thin person. Like, I think the hunger element would be more interesting to watch for someone who's clearly used to eating a lot more. But let's be honest. Yeah. So the Survivor diet was the original Ozempic. And let's just be honest. Babe, it's keto. It's Atkins. It's everything. <laughs> I mean, it's... It's like uh, you, the Japanese diet. All they eat is rice. I mean, that's it. Listen, like they, these are people who, when they emerge from this show, have the most cut faces you've ever seen in your life. You're like, that cheekbone could slice a piece of paper. I mean, that's insane. It's so upsetting. My least favorite thing, though, is when they have, they always have one guy, usually old, who wears like br briefs that are like two sizes too big. And then they insist on wearing them around the camp. That is a toughie. That's a toughie that, for me. It happens almost every season. But yeah. just, it is... I believe week in, week out, rare that I'm not completely thrilled from an episode of Survivor. It is not good stuff. Really? Yeah. 
What do you think it speaks to? I'm okay. I'm only just having this thought now. So I'm piecing it together. Everyone listeners bear with me. Do you think it's speaking to like something very primal in our reptilian brains of like, if, cause basically this is like facilitating an experience of like, you're an animal out in the wild. Like, yes, of course they have the infrastructure of like a crew around them. Of course they're going to have medics on set. Obviously if some, if shit hits the fan, they're not going to let these people die and, you know, fucking perish. But do you think an appeal of the show is a little bit also like putting yourself in their headspace of like, if that were me on the show, how would I handle this? And could I do it? For me, no, only because there is, for me, no reality in which I would ever entertain the idea of going on Survivor. I won't even stay in a hostel. You know, if, if like there was a gun to my head, I'd go, I'm sorry, I can't stay in this hostel. You know, there's just certain things that I won't do. So Michelle, I won't go on a hike. I get it. No, you understand what I mean. Uh, Yeah. Listen, I live in Amsterdam. I still haven't bought a bike. Everyone is like, listen, I've been here six months. I'm going, why would I want to buy a bike so I can crack my fucking head open in front of hot people, which is what exactly no. what would happen within a week. I walk everywhere. I take the tram. Why do I need a bicycle? But it's like the big thing that I don't, I don't have a bike here. I don't like to risk things. No. I like to keep I, my ankles incredibly delicate, especially for my height and weight, mm. easily sprained. I would be off that show. The medic would be there before I even go off. the. I'd still be in my mesh top. Bro, like <gasps> Kitty's a Kimbo. They'd be like, we got to get her off the boat. I'm sorry. My opinion, why I think I like it is because I always liken it to office politics. If you've ever worked in an office. Uh, well, okay. Yes. Which I have, you know, and I'm not even, this is not um, like a view reference at all. Although you could, I guess, also uh, project it onto that show too. But anytime you work in an office, you always have snakes. You have people who are yes. um, behind your back who are so nice to your face, but secretly they're plotting your downfall. There mm. is a certain politeness and manipulation that goes on on Survivor. I don't consider myself a manipulative person. I'm sure maybe in the way that I like to be charming, you could argue that's manipulation, but that's just, you know, I'm just, da- I'm a people pleaser, damaged, fucked up. And person. also, Michelle, you, know. you can't apologize. It's, it's not your fault oh. that you're charming. It's no, not you your fault that you're charming. No, but it's like, but it's a, yes, for sure. But also it's like, you can't help that you have a gift. I'm sorry. That's nice of you to say, but I also am not someone who I've never plotted in my whole, I wish no. I could. I have never plotted. I've disliked someone. I've hoped something maybe happened to them, but I've never like plotted a direct no, line same. in the sand about someone. So to see people who are good at that and who can do it, because right. there are a lot of people who can do that. It's also fascinating to me. Like, wow, these people exist every day. You can work with these people and they will lie to your fucking face yeah. and then slit your throat in a blind side at the end of the show. You have no idea it's coming. Just the twists and the, <gasps> the blind sides. Liam, you'll shit. It's the best. Well, so I remember, here's the thing, but I, I do remember this vividly from the season that I watched and I was, and even when I, I can't remember how old I would have been when I was watching that initial season, but like the thing even that resonated for me and something that's resonating right now and what you're saying is I felt this way at the time. Like I'm too fucking lazy to plot someone's demise. I'm like, I don't even know how to go about it. Again, I've just finished telling someone I won't go on a hike. You think I'm going to (laughs) take the individual time to say like, Hey, how are we going to get like, Suzanne off the island like I have no idea how I'm getting what? Suzanne off the island I have no I, idea I don't even know how to plot my success forget someone else's <gasps> demise title plot of that I don't success. how title I, of that I have no that's the title of that I have no idea how to plot my success yes. that is so I feel exactly the same way I feel exactly the same way I am not a focused person I have like debilitating ADHD I can't fill out a form I can do my job because it's simple and I enjoy it and so I know every day I have to do this thing it's like a dog going for a walk like I do it I enjoy it moving along but if I get overwhelmed with stuff forget about it I no, it's not gonna work no I think also too the thing for me about Survivor is like that I find so interesting is like I'm also really 
again, the mindset of the, of the people getting on the show, like the fact that people are so prepared again, I realize there's infrastructure of a crew and blah, 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 but like you really are putting yourself in harm's way for this cash prize. And I get it. A lot of money's on the line. I mean, God knows what you're losing for taxes, who, especially oh, with that it. income bracket. God, you're basically, you're walking away honestly with about like $2,500. Let's be honest after taxes, but I'm going to say one thing, which is that unless you're lucky enough to be Sia's favorite player, because you know, every year Sia, <gasps> the singer oh gives someone God. like 50 grand out of her pocket. Which is hilarious. I I she love just it. loves the show. Well, she also, yeah. this is good for her because she needs some image rehabilitation after that movie she directed. But, you know, oh, listen, bless her. Bless her. Bless her. Listen, voice of an angel and apps and pocketbook of apparently Zeus. I don't know what to tell you. She's oh. just got money coming out of her ears. It's but, like titanium I mean, money. I mean, forget it. Continue. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Well, no, but I was going to say, like, I find that I do find the survivor of it all so interesting. And it's also like, it's funny. We were talking before about like, oh, um, Married at First Sight is like the thinking man's Love Island. I also always felt like Survivor was kind of like the thinking man's Fear Factor. Yeah, ish. ish. By which they, I mean, like, I realize the the infrastructure of the show is so different. But like to me, Fear Factor really was like we're, I'm. We're gonna just make you eat the scorpion, and then yeah. here's your money. Whereas like Survivor, it's like yeah, you might have to like fucking eat bugs, but here's the deal: you're catching those bugs yourself. You're like cooking them over the fire you made yourself. Like, here you are living your full Gilligan's Island fantasy. Like, you are ginger. Enjoy. A hundred percent. I know what you're saying about that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, you know, what was the show? There was a show in England. Oh, on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. I don't know if Mm. you've ever watched the UK version. No, but I've seen like clips in them. Yeah, yeah. If anyone can go back to the very last season that aired, which I only watched in and out, so I wasn't super into it. But the very last episode, it was a disgusting eating challenge. And mm. it was the last two remaining people who had to eat things. I don't even remember what was on the menu that day, but I don't think in my whole life I've ever seen something as absolutely horrific. It, it worse than anything. Like, I don't even know where to begin with. If you're like a squeamish or queasy person, it's not for you. But it has put any American fear factor, anything to shame. And I think the girl that won was like pretty like not to stereotype, but she did not look like someone who would be eating like a thousand worms or whatever it was that they right. gave her. <laughs> Right. Oh, you know what it was? It was fermented soybean. I think the very last one was a hundred spoons of when they can ferment stuff. So it literally tastes like liquid garbage, like really, really bad. Um, And she ate a hundred spoons of it. It was like gray mush. <sighs> it's just, it's that to me was some of the, but that was like fear factor on freaking steroids, that ending. So try to find that if you can. But yeah, this is why I'm so glad I'm actually listening to you through headphones. Cause you know how our phones are listening to everything that we say. Yes. I'm so glad that my <laughs> phone didn't hear that. Cause you know, like when your phone's listening to you and then everything from the algorithms, it starts feeding you all the stuff. I have no idea how this has come to be, but in the vein of eating every so often when I'm scrolling into the deep abyss, that is TikTok or Instagram, I'll just be fed these fucking mukbang videos. And I'm like, no. I have, I've never, Michelle, I need to be real with you. I've never searched this out. It doesn't live in my like search history terminology. I'm not looking for it. It's just there. And this is even like people who are eating food that is like for all intents and purpose, you know, edible. Like it might just be like a fucking huge burrito. But I'm like, it is still so gnarly to me. The Like the lengths that people will go to to like kind of abuse their bodies in the name of entertainment. Like I just that's also the bit of it where I'm like, I can't. That's the bit I like. I don't like, oh, that's where I'm out. The eating stuff does nauseate me. And also you just said it again. Your phone did hear you. So Shit. You made a huge mistake. You really sec- fucked up. I know. The second I open my phone, it's literally just going to be some like very, very tiny Asian woman who's going to eat a bowl of pho that's just much too big. It's, it's much the, too big. It's going to be the mukbang bus. It's the it mukbang bus. <laughs> yeah. And it's literally just 12 <laughs> people who are just essentially gorging themselves until they die. And they all are on IVs and have respirators. And I and get it. And that's fine. And they're on a bus. And, <laughs> look, and they're on a bus. I, it's fantastic. And I love it. No, I know the eating stuff, like the ASMR stuff also I can't do. So Survivor's at oh, 10 out of 10, favorite show. And it's back. 
I don't know if I can say because I know we're pre-recording, but it's back tonight. So I'm very excited. We acknowledge the time machine. So this is September 27th when we're recording. So everyone, if you are either wanting to dive in like late or if you want to do the backtrack, now is your chance. Speaking of people abusing their bodies, but in a different way, I have a personal philosophy that I think there is no greater physical challenge that a person can endure than, and I'm being serious about this, than being an actor who's in like an onstage musical. Mm. That to me is so fucking hard. And I think this then is a perfect segue to your final absolutely gorgeous pick because you have picked the musical Guys and Dolls, but in particular the production that is i believe happening now in london at the bridge theater is that correct can i tell you i didn't it is correct i didn't realize how uk based my picks were going to be until you just said that i thought oh these are the three things i like and but it is i believe coming to broadway soon the very same production so yeah this is not surprising to me though about you because again as a person who's you know who's no no stranger to the michelle collins show (laughs) i also know that you like you very much i think are a woman who's very happy abroad yeah. And like when I saw that you had like very UK based things, I was like, none of that surprised me because in listening to your show, especially like when you were kind of opening up during the pandemic, you know, I think an element of what you discussed a lot was kind of not feeling super at home in the States. And that's kind of why you were wanting to sort of feel like you wanted to like kind of go somewhere else and like live other places a little bit, like kind of feeling like you wanted a different vibe. And so the fact that you would pick these kind of more international picks, I was like, this so tracks for me. I love it. Just to clarify, I'm very at home at a Target, Nordstrom Rack. I miss malls. Yes. I miss cars. I miss driving. There are certain things that I do miss. I did live in New York for 20 years, more probably. And um, just towards the end, especially during lockdown, I was losing my mind. So that is yes. when I realized, okay, I have to go to so I have to go somewhere else, but it has to be a place where I can walk. And unfortunately, there are no other places in the United States where you can just walk everywhere. It has to be, you know. A European city is, or I'm sure, you know, maybe Sydney, I've never been there, but I'm sure there are other places too. But this was like the closest one where they spoke English right. and also I could get a visa. So that's why I live in Amsterdam. That's the short answer to that. So when, so I, can I assume then you have seen this production of Guys and Dolls? I have seen it. Yes. Tell me everything. Why do you love it so much? Because <sighs> this is an interesting production because this is, and I hope I'm not bearing the lead here, but is there like a bit of like an audience Like they kind of get the audience involved. Can you explain this to me? I sure can. So I personally hate audience participation. I it's why I don't really like improv shows. I've never seen Tony and Tina's wedding. Don't if I want to be on stage, I'll be on stage. If I'm in the audience, just leave me alone. Just let me watch the show and let me let me live. So when a friend of mine who saw it before me, uh, and it's not in the West End, it's actually in a theater below, I think Tower Bridge. So it's some Mm. kind of a weird part, not a weird part, a little further out of Central. Uh, He said to me, "You have to get." the participation tickets. Don't sit in the stands. So what it is, is you stand around the stage, which moves. It's constantly, if you do go, and the tickets are not uh, super expensive, which I also love, but you stand around the stage and they do have stage people who have to move pieces in and out depending on the number, but they're dressed like cops or, you know, they're kind of dressed in city, 1950s city garb. And then they'll kind of just move you along. The actors then will sometimes run off the stage through the crowd. My opinion, and this is such a deep cut, no one will care, but if you do see it, when you walk into the theater, stand to the very right and never move. Because what I don't like moving. I want to park myself. Like I just want to park myself and stand to the right of the theater is the way to go because they will not bother you. Anywhere else, they're going to move you out of the way. You're like, I'm not, that's not what I'm here for. I didn't, I didn't pay $300 so I could have like an equity actor shove me to the side. That's not what I'm here for. I paid 600 for that. <laughs> and it was worth Ugh. every penny. And it was worth every penny. The production, now I don't have any of the actors' names pulled up, but the um, the guy who plays Sky Masterson. Now, Guys and Dolls is one of the first musicals I really fell in love with. I was in Israel when I was 10 because my mother is from there. The way you just said that, mm-hmm. Israel. 
And, <laughs> and I was a cousins of mine who I'm not really big fans of. I'm not, a, don't love them anyway. And so I was bored. They were all speaking Hebrew. I couldn't understand a word. And one of the cousins was like, here, watch this. And he put in the Frank Sinatra of all the movies <gasps> in the world. Wow. He put in the Frank Sinatra version of Guys and Dolls. I was 10 years old. I sat down. And it's probably like when kids watch Finding Nemo or like, right. It's probably when a right. 10 year old watches The Little Mermaid. I fell in love with Guys and Dolls. That was like my first real musical moment. And then, of course, I had the soundtrack. My very first CD that I bought was the Nathan Lane, Peter Gallagher oh. version with Faith Prince, the CD. Heaven. Luck be a lady tonight. Luck be a lady tonight. Luck, if you've ever been a lady to begin with, luck be a lady tonight. One of the best productions also ever. I mean, well, Peter Gallagher. Can he do any wrong? And I'm going to say something about Peter Gallagher. Looks incredible. No, nobody looks better or sounds better than Peter Uh, Gallagher. And the nicest guy, by the way. I, so I've heard this about him too. Actually, a friend of mine. Wait, do you know, um... Do you know Martha Kelly, the stand-up and actor Martha I Kelly? I love Martha Kelly. The best. Yeah. She did um, a guest spot on Grace and Frankie once, and she told me this story where she had to do a scene with like Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin and Peter Gallagher. And she had to do like, um, she had to, she was like standing in like a hotel lobby. I guess that was a scene. And there was like luggage that Peter Gallagher had kind of placed to her left. Like that's kind of was like his character's blocking. They're all doing this scene and they're rolling. And Martha has to like turn to make her out and she like bumps into Peter Gallagher's luggage and all falls to the ground and then they have to yell cut. And Martha, who just in case people don't know, she's like a very sensitive, lovely soul and she like doesn't want to make a mistake. And so she was like really getting in her head. She was like, oh my God, oh my God. And like did not have to do this. Could have just let it slide. Peter Gallagher took it upon himself like in front of the crew. He was like, you know what? No guys, sorry. That was my fault. I shouldn't have put the luggage there. I knew she had to turn to leave. That was my fault. Sorry guys. Like well, I'm in love. Lovely. He's lovely. Why don't they make more men like Peter Gallagher? If more men were like Peter Gallagher, dot, dot, dot. Like dot, dot, be, dot, dot, Fill dot. in the damn blanks. Fill in my blanks. You know what I mean? Like, would just <laughs> I mean, be yes. absolute heaven if every guy was like Peter Gallagher. I really mean that. Old he, men, you don't have that and, anymore. And, you know, his daughter, Catherine, of course, now is an actor who was on Broadway, I think, like a year oh. or two ago. And she, like, is on... So she has, like, she's on TikTok or whatever. And she was posted a video because someone was like, oh, my God, LOL, like, your dad looks like Peter Gallagher, not piecing, <gasps> you know, putting two and two together. And so she put a v- video of him, like, doing a joke, like, oh, my God, like, someone says that you look like um, Peter Gallagher. Obviously, it's him. Yeah. And you know something? He was in a loose tee with an unbuttoned shirt over it. And I'm going to say he was just chilling at home in a sweatpant, but it didn't matter. Looked terrific. Dissimilarly, though, from the people who go on Survivor, even even though he was in a sweatpant, he clearly had a firm foundational garment underneath. And we appreciate that. You know, you're really funny. And I'm going to say, you just described my perfect man outfit. I love that you're like, he was in a t-shirt, open button down sweatpants. And honestly, he still looks good. Meanwhile, I'm like hard. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Blink, babe. I need to see this thing. Foundational garment. Yes, please. <laughs> Hello. It today. Send it to me. I love that. That, for, that CD is so yeah. fucking good. And then I saw it on Broadway years ago. I think Oliver Platt, whatever production that was. And it sucked. It was <gasps> With, so oh, bad. It was Lauren Graham, right? And she was in that too? Yes. Gilmore Girls? Yes. It was bad. I was pissed because I'm like a I heard, real I heard I don't even know what the word is I'm a purist I just want it to be amazing so walking into this production I was a little skeptical because I'm thinking okay let's see Liam from top to bottom the guy playing Sky Masterson is hot as shit so of course you're thinking he's not going to sing well I mean God doesn't give with both hands you know it's <laughs> one or the other 
He had the best voice I've ever heard, but he was very, very good. The woman playing Sarah Brown, I wish I had their names in front of me, but she was a stunningly beautiful and phenomenal voice. Just the acting, the Nathan Detroit guy, not a good looking guy. Of course, he checked me out like three times. Welcome to my life, by the way. But he... Uh But he kind of, he's like a married guy. Anyway, I, I Googled him after like, what I, should I like reach out? Should I like DM this like long faced? Should I just like, right? honestly, like live my Amsterdam truth? Like what's <laughs> going on? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but he was so good. He also not a great singer, but so funny. But the guy who plays nicely, nicely in this, and I don't know if anyone knows some people I'm sure know guys and dolls, but there's a song in it called Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat. You may have heard of it because I auditioned for musical theater high school with it and didn't get it. <gasps> oh. So it's a very, yeah, I mean, for the best for the best new world school of the arts in Miami. I've never gotten into any single performing arts school that I've auditioned for. What do you think about that? Is that not wild? That is actually shocking to me. I know. And I'm not I even just, cocky, but I just know that I'm good. <laughs> so no, like, I know. Wait, what? I, do you like, what do you think? What, what do you think that is? If you had I, to, I mean, I realize I it's know. a strange question, but like, yeah, I also can't even begin to piece that together. NYU, I absolutely flopped. So that probably, and I had such a mean teacher working with me. So that probably was what that is. So when I meet people who go to mm. Tish or who went to Tish, obviously I'm seething because that was supposed to be my life. Like I was going to go to Tish. I was going to be so fabulous. Didn't happen for me and it's fine. Um, I don't know what it is. Maybe my height. I don't know. Maybe I just... I, well, here's the thing. I do think they like... I think a very practical part, unfortunately, of when they're accepting kids into these drama programs is they are thinking about how castable you're going to be after the show, like beyond yeah. your program. And maybe it's entirely true where if they don't see like a type for you, they think like, well, this maybe is going to be too tough. Let's, like, let's not invest. I know, but look let at me Gina tell you Davis. Look at Renee Russo. You know, they've had careers. Mm-hmm. I know that's... You know, that's true. And actually, yeah, I think they're bone thin, but yeah. First, first of all, Michelle, you look terrific enough of this. Oh, thanks, but no. I mean, and I'm, also, you know, I mean, like, with you. come on. Yeah. No, I know, I know. But I mean, I think it's like, first of all, you're also describing my dream because when I was 11, I was like, I'm going to Tish no matter what. See? No matter what. And what's so funny is I remember, and my mom, who's like the, one of the most supportive women of all time, so this is like saying something that she would say this. I'm 11 years old. We're looking at how much tuition costs for NYU. And remember, I'd be applying as an international student. So basically take NYU costs oh. and double it. <gasps> and she's like, and she, we had like a very sobering conversation where she looked at me, this woman who like wants me to have all my dreams. She's like... I think you should look at different schools. And I was like, okay, you know what? Yeah. Fair. Because NYU, I, I do kind of also marvel at the someone who's like, I will spend a million dollars learning how to become an actor. And I'm like, babe, do the night workshop. Night workshop. Wait tables. Yeah. We are from the same people because my parents also, and they paid for my flight to go up to audition. But even then they were like, you know, we're not going to pay for you to go. I said, okay. And then I still <laughs> went to an expensive school and was still greatly in debt. When I did not get in, I was very upset about it because I had this dream of living in New York. Now to fast forward, I ended up, I was waitlisted at Barnard. I ended up getting into Barnard. So I did end up in New York for college. So it all mm. worked out sort of in the way that it should have, I guess. But long story short, my brother, at this point I hadn't gotten in. So I was still going to UF in Gainesville. And my brother came home and I was just in the kitchen reading New York Magazine because even though I was As 16, you do. I, I was so sophisticated, obviously. And he went, well, I guess you won't be needing that anymore. And I burst into tears. And I have to know that is not my personality. I'm not a crier. I don't think he I... knew what to do with himself. Oh. <laughs> I'll never forget it. My it God. was like an arrow into my heart. Just the <gasps> way he said it. And he's not even mean like that. Like, this is not his thing either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just one of those moments that'll stay with me very, like how sad I was to not get into NYU. Yeah. Do you feel then like this, like this production of Guys and Dolls, did it almost mm-hmm. like, 
do you think it also speaks to you a little bit because it's like helping you live out like that fantasy version of of your life oh. like when you see a musical like where you're just like and so when it's really hitting is it also kind of touching those sweet spots a little bit i think a little bit of that but really more than that i just have it's almost like talent envy when I see someone on stage who is so above and beyond, who just delivers in ways that I didn't think possible. I mean, it's why I'm absolutely obsessed with Beyonce because I don't think anyone does it like her. You know, no. that's on a level that is like truly alien superstar. Like this is not a yes. human being. I don't understand no. how she does it. So for me, it's just like that. It's just shocking when I see someone who's like, has an amazing voice, can dance, can act, all of these things live. I find that incredibly thrilling. I saw Les Mis here, my favorite musical, Les Mis here in uh, Amsterdam, not realizing it was going to be in Dutch. Luckily, I obviously know every word, so it wasn't a problem. But um, <laughs> like I knew what was happening. It just sounded horrible because Dutch is such an ugly language. And I hope the government never hears me say that. But anyway, <laughs> and I sat there. But the talent in that show, you would think like, and, and, like the Dutch Les Mis, <gasps> one after another, some of the most talented singers. I couldn't get over it. So it's exciting when you just capture something for yourself and you're like we're the only people here for this like we get to enjoy this yes and take it and i find i find it thrilling and actually one of my biggest issues i think these days with a lot of performance and this goes into comedy as well is that a lot of people are like not performing anymore i think that there's almost this um feeling of being above performing like it's not it's cool. a little it's a yeah, but because it's also it's it's like it's not cool but like then their attitude is like they're too cool for school a little yeah. bit like it all gets it's all thrown away too much too thrown away. And I really have a problem with that. As someone who does perform live, I like I will genuinely sell my soul for a good show. You know me. I come out there guns yeah. blazing. Like I don't, I will look like the biggest fool. I don't give a shit, but I will give you a funny show. And, yes. and that does sound cocky, but it is a little cocky because sometimes I'll go to shows and I'm going, what happened to this person? I, I'm very bitter about it lately because I'm just like, what has happened? Give me some, give me some old school Eddie Murphy. Give me like people who get on stage who Chris Rock, like people who sell. Yeah stand-up or anything, even like uh, plays, and they really have that electricity. And I'm I'm looking for that at the moment. To hearken it back to a musical reference, I'll say this and then and then I'll and then I'll let you go because I want to be respectful of your time here because I could honestly I chat you to you realize more. I can give you five to seven more minutes and then I have I to love that. go skedaddle but because i could honestly talk to you for 17 and a half hours straight without no, breaking a sweat i mean <laughs> so that's just the damn truth but like it is a little bit of like i do wish performers had like that razzle dazzle thing like it's it's we have lost a little bit of that sensibility of we're gonna make this the best show ever and i don't know what happened i i wonder if and a bit of this like um sentiment hap started to take hold a little bit in the 90s maybe when like the alt comedy scene was coming up and then it became all very like because it all then was very anti-comedy club. So then it was kind of about like playing down, which fine. But now it does seem to me that there's, and maybe actually a little bit like we're kind of getting back into like I was some just old school say, charm. Like Kat like, Cohen sells a show. Literally, just, I, love, I, literally I, I was literally yeah. just going to say Kat Cohen. Like she's like, here's yeah. the thing. And this is what I love about her. It's what I love about you. It's like, you know what? Yes, we're comedians, but we're going to go on stage. We're going to look fucking incredible. And we're going to like, we're going to, and especially with like Catherine Cohen, her whole thing is she's like, I'm going to tell like hard jokes. Mm. They're going to be funny. I'm also going to sing funny songs. I'm going to sound great. The music's going to be cool. Like I love when someone still has this old sensibility of like, you know what you, the audience member have paid good money to be here. Yep. However, however inexpensive or expensive it is, you're giving me your money. You're giving me your time and I'm going to treat you to a show. I love when people think that way. This is my whole, this is my religion. Basically. If yes. you come, you come to see me in a show. I have giveaways. I, I just slept tubes of mayonnaise. Actually, the funniest thing is I brought, I had a show at Joe's Pub in August in New York and I 
um, brought these big tubes of mayonnaise because you can't buy that in the U.S. And I thought, oh, this would be so funny because I have a mayo adjacent story. I thought <laughs> every night I'll give away two tubes. I would have given away more. They were so heavy that even the 10 tubes that I brought had to weigh like 20 pounds. I'm not joking. And LOL. then that was by far the low point of the show. Every night I'm like, why isn't the mayo clicking? Like, why are people... <laughs> Because <laughs> like, like the show went really well, but the mayo, it almost like killed the vibe a little bit. I'm like, you know, the mayo giveaway wasn't killing in the way that I thought it would. So a waste of my time and my money. But well, you know me, I love a condiment. And so, you know what, had I been there being on the receiving end of a mayo? I mean, come on. I have to lube everything up to get it down my throat. I mean, when people don't like mayonnaise, I'm just like, oh, are you into getting choked? Like, what is your thing that you like? Because I know. What? It's so unconscionable to me. I'm like, sorry, 80 to 90% of what I decide on eating is directly correlated to what I can dip it in. And yes. I'm sorry, like, let's be honest, food is a vessel for a sauce. Let's do another hour on sauce. You should just have a <laughs> sauce-based pot. I'm not even kidding you. Uh, uh, yeah. There's no ranch here. The sauces in this town <gasps> leave so much to be desired. And it's also frustrating because, you know, I did find a place to buy ponzu sauce, which you know I'm addicted. I can only have sushi with ponzu sauce famously. So I did I have a ponzu dealer now. So that has been very exciting for me. But Good. just certain like American dressings or things, because America does love a dip. We do love to just sauce shit up, which is why I, yeah. another thing I miss about being home. And here it just, I have so many ideas to become rich here. Like a place that just sells iced coffee, salads, ready to go sandwiches and dips. I will be a multi-zillionaire. They do not have any of the things that I just said to you. There is no fast salad place in this town. You can't, there's no sweet green. There's no tender greens, no chop. What are the salad bowl? What are the other names? Green stop. I don't know. I'm just making things up, but none of that exists here. You cannot get a salad period, pretty much even at a sit down restaurant. How are they so thin and how do they make duty? That's my other well, question. Listen, to harken back to what we said earlier, we can't even plot our own success. The fact that you have not already opened up 11 locations across Amsterdam and become a multi-billionaire. No, Michelle. I'm not kidding you. I'm telling you, it doesn't make any sense. You want a sandwich, you know, in, in England, you can go to Pret. In America, Pret too, but you have like all these quickie, you know, in New York, got to grab and go, grab and go. Yeah, yeah, There yeah. is no grabbing and they're not going anywhere. You got to sit. You're going to wait. Mm. Terrible service. Then they'll bring it. It's just, I actually think that's why they're thin because like food is so inconvenient. They just don't eat. There's like no fast way to eat. <sighs> yeah. And they're just kind of, they're all sort of, this is another thing about like European food culture that I find interesting is like, they'll take four bites of something and be like, I'm done. And I'm like, but there's food on your plate. They're like, I know, but I'm done. I don't understand this. They're smoking. They're, they don't really smoke here, but yeah, they're just, uh, they're it's a they're different way different. of life. They're just different. They're different. Babes, I have to tell you something. And I know I, listen, we're going to book in this because I started off saying how incredible <laughs> I think you are. And that's exactly how we're going to go out because I really, uh, I know. And I want, I want to tell you for real. If I did not feel this way, I would not feel at all compelled to be as loquacious about it as I am. I really do honestly feel like you are, uh, I think you're one of our best comics. I uh. love your brain. Hearing you on your show, it is such a comfort listen. It's like a, having a friend in your ear. Oh, the so fact nice. that you are not already on season 10 of your own late night talk show is frankly criminal. And we, and I'm honestly, like, I think there's so much conversation around, like, who's going to hold the mantle for the new, the new, like, it's so obviously should be you. I'll just say that. Well, thank so you. I want, and I'm, and I'm I ready. Wanna, it's the thing that will bring me back to the East Coast. Here's the thing. <laughs> not only are you ready. You've been ready. That's just the damn truth. Okay. Yeah. Like you've like, there's no question. Thank you. So thank you for coming on this show. We should let people know you were at Mishkal across all socials. Here's what people need to do. They need to find your Patreon page. They need to subscribe to the Michelle Collins show. And then while they're at it, they should rate, review and subscribe to Midnight Snack. That's nice. Yes, they we should. Want, we want people supporting you. Again, cannot emphasize this enough. Michelle is putting out so much 
high quality content for you at frankly a very reasonable price and there's no reason why thank you god you are the best that thank you for saying that i agree it's for, i'm sorry let's just to quote <laughs> you it's dirt cheap it's dirt cheap. I know. I agree with you. Thank you for saying that. That really means the world to me. Liam, I didn't realize I was going to get um, my ego blown up so much today. Like I was excited to talk to you, but I didn't know that I was going to walk away a star. So I can't thank you enough. And you're, by the way, so handsome. Oh my What's God. Your Bless story? you. Are you single? What's your deal? Where are you living? Let's find love. What's going on? Married? Diva. Diva. Imagine I was like, I've been married to my wife, Deborah, for 40 <laughs> years. Um <laughs> I like start to cry. I'm like, she's, uh, she's in the other you room. Don't get in here anymore. Yeah, go on. Listen. We're listen, we're doing we're doing the Hollywood trifecta. We're doing a diet, we're doing an exercise, we're doing an Ozempic. You know how it goes. We're on month four. We're just trying to make it Is work. That right? And wow, you look yeah. great. Oh my God. Thank you. So I I've probably, I would say in the last like, yeah, three months, I've probably lost like 20 pounds. Wow, good for you. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah. And so, you know, we're just trying to listen, as 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 they would say in 2009, I'm just trying to live, laugh, love. You know what I mean? But you're single? I have I have a partner, a lovely okay. partner. Okay, okay. Lovely partner. I just want to get um, to know you. I'm like, tell me, okay, a lovely partner. That's great. Well, good for you. Yeah. As and you I, should. Whom, whom I affectionately refer to as Carl Dean, because my joke is that we have a very private relationship, like Dolly Parton and Carl Dean. So you know, like Dolly her husband is not on my radar. Isn't that funny? But I know that she never talks about him. Yeah. 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 And like, and there's also like seven pictures of him that exist online, which is wild. So, so, so that's where we are. But I I love you. I oh, I thanks. love that I love you made too. time. Oh. And listen, and I we need to have you feeling good, Michelle. As you said, this is kicking off your day. So you need to be bolstering into the, like bulldozing into these other recordings with just vim and vinegar. That's I just the truth. I have it. I feel it. You have to come on the show. I'm going to email you and you'll come co-host. Please. Uh, Let me, like, anytime. Next Let week. me know. I'm not even joking. So we'll discuss. But okay, guys, perfect. I adore you. Thank you for being so sweet. I had the best time. This is so much fun. Thank you. Well, thanks, Michelle. And listen, everyone, thanks for tuning in and we will see you all next time. Bye. Well, she's the damn best. Michelle Collins, everybody. Follow her at Mish Call across all social platforms. Like we said, uh, just as we were wrapping up her segment, listen to the Michelle Collins show. Go find Midnight Snack. She really does absolutely deserve your support. She deserves your money. She's, I really, honestly, I know, I know this might sound hyperbolic. I really do think she's one of the best. I really feel that way. And listen, this is very exciting for us because this is kind of like our season one finale. To anyone who's been listening, God bless. We really appreciate it. And you know, this is really, this is going to sound so trite, but it really is a labor of love for us, the show. We love doing it. And so we're going to have, by the way, new episodes for you coming in the new year. So we hope because you're all subscribed and plugged into the show that you'll stay with us and that uh, you'll follow us with our next season. And, you know, given that we are a new show, I really want to say this. I know I kind of am flippant about at the end of every episode, but the truth is this. It really does make such a difference for new shows if you can rate, review, and subscribe. It helps, I don't know, it helps algorithms within podcast apps. It helps sort of help new shows float to the surface of these um, platforms if there's that kind of engagement from listeners. So if you haven't already, a five-star review, a written review, subscribing to the show, spreading the show around, you know, sending it to people who you think maybe would be on board, that would really mean the absolute world to us. And, you know, the truth about this show is that it does not obviously happen just with me. This is absolutely collaborative team effort. And so I have a few people I want to thank. If you can just indulge me really quickly, listeners, I promise this won't take long. But I really want to thank John Lloyd, who did our fabulous music for the uh, podcast, an absolute gem, a joy, John Lloyd. Ben Heist, who did the artwork for the podcast, so brilliant. To my producer, Mimi Collins, who really helps make this show happen. God love you, girl from, you know, being as organized and as lovely as you are. And, you know, look, with this show, if you want to support us and keep up to date with us, find our Instagram page at Tell Liam. 
everything. And you can follow me on socials at Liam Garrow across all social platforms if you want to keep up to date with me and then also other developments with the show. And as always, I want to cap off this episode with my kind of favorite pop culture thing happening at the minute. And listen, don't criticize me for sort of doubling up here because I won't have it. I know last week I was plugging a Mitski album. Great news. I'm about to plug another one. Her second to most recent album, Laurel Hell. If I know I was talking about her newest record being sort of like this really gorgeously sparse, lush listening experience. The reality is this. This is that experience, but just in a completely different way. This is like the 80s album that you want to listen to. It's so gorgeously produced. It's thoughtfully written. She's amazing and um, just an absolute joy. So everybody, listen, I can't say it enough. Thank you for listening. We hope that you stick with us um, in the new year when we start churning out new episodes after the holidays. And listen, you know what? Actually, the holidays are but a few weeks away. So we hope you're all having a glorious holiday, either with your friends, your family. Maybe you're having a solo moment. God bless if you are. And if you are, you know what? Take that time to maybe dive into all these pop culture things that we've provided for you on this show. I mean, you know, this is kind of what we want to do on this show is give people new favorite things to obsess over. So I guess that's it for me, everybody. We will see you next year. Have a glorious vacation. Have a glorious holiday. At Liam Garrow. Rate, review, subscribe to the show. At Tell Liam Everything on Instagram. Thank you all so much for listening. Until next time, bye-bye.